1: Welcome to New Books in Art. I'm your host, Lorena Turner. I'm a lecturer in the Communication Department at California State Polytechnic University in Pomona, California. Recently, I spoke with photographer and author Brent Walker. Brent Walker lives in Georgia. Hello and welcome to New Books in Art. I'm your host, Lorena Turner. I'm a lecturer in the Communication Department at California State Polytechnic University in Pomona, California. Recently, I spoke with photographer and author Brent Walker. Brent Walker lives in Georgia. His book, The Hidden South, is a series of portraits and interviews with people he met while traveling around the South. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We're talking today with Brent Walker, the author of *The Hidden South*. He is a photographer, and he's based in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show, Brent.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Could you start by telling us a little bit about you? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, sure. I um, I grew up in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is a suburb just north of Atlanta. And nowadays, it's a very wealthy community, but when I grew up there, it was, you know, it was country. Um, people kind of made fun of us for having accents and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's definitely changed a lot, but that's where I grew up. Um, I went to school at Catholic, in, at Catholic school for my first nine years, um, and that was a lot different than a lot of my friends. Um, so I kind of had that, that I, I, I had the Catholic, um, I went to Catholic school, and then, <laughs> we can get into more details about that later.
1: Later, okay, okay. Yeah.
0: And then I went to military school for half a year, and then I finished off in public school. And when I say finished off, I finished off until I uh, decided not to go anymore. So I actually didn't finish high school. Get, went back, got my GED, and, and ultimately went to, went to um, and got an associate's degree. But I did not take the normal path as far as school went.
1: And tell what, what what tell us about your associate's degree what did you get a degree in
0: I have a culinary culinary degree which um, I haven't used for many years um, makes me a good date but not <laughs> I use it for much else, so
1: and how do you consider yourself a photographer at this point in your your life and career
0: yeah I've been taking pictures for about 12 years now and before I started this project I, I had a photography business um i actually did pinup photography which seems like the exact opposite of what i'm doing now but um i traveled all over the south and um people would book appointments with me and I, I would i would take the pictures. so it was a very very much a studio setting in which i tried to get as beautiful pictures as i could and i i retouched people to make them look more perfect and now i i kind of um I kinda try to find the the imperfections and the beauty in those imperfections, I guess. So it's a, it's a complete different world.
1: Are there, um, they're absolutely different worlds. Um, are there photographers kind of other practicing photographers or photographers from the past who inspired you or who maybe at the start of your work or kind of in your searching for this kind of voice that you've created for yourself?
0: You know, I, I can't think of anybody that directly, um, maps to what I'm doing now that I I admire tremendously I've always been drawn to the work of um, Sally Mann I don't know if you've heard of her but she's been on the cover of Time Magazine and does really really interesting work and there's another there's a guy named um, I always butcher his first name but it's Mm -hmm. Nobuyashi Araki I believe and he's a Japanese photographer who I've always really admired his work and um, there's another guy named Jan Sadek. Again, none of these people have anything to do with this project, but they are people that I admire. I would say of, 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 there, there is one photographer named Alex Sov whose, whose style is very different than mine mm-hmm. uh, and whose work is very different than mine, but he has done... Um, I, I definitely admire his work, and he's done some things where like he's gone to um, Niagara Falls. and I mean, there's some similarities, but it's not... Not, not, not really close to what I'm doing.
1: Well, I think you guys, I think people listening to the podcast will, will definitely know of at least two of those photographers that you mentioned. And I think in, in Alex Soth's work in comparison to yours, you definitely, you definitely share a spirit, I think, with his work and his kind of um, in moving through the country and talking with people and sharing of yourself, you know, in, kind of, in order to kind of get something from the people that you're photographing.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I think if you, if you look at our work next to each other, you'd be like, oh, well, this really doesn't have much similarity to, at all. But if you look underneath the surface, I, I definitely feel that kinship um, to, to what he's doing.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I can absolutely see that. Absolutely see that. So, so we wanna, I want to ask you about your, your book, um, The Hidden South, which uh, came out, I'm sorry that I don't remember this exactly, it came out either late last year or this year, correct?
0: January of this year, yeah. Okay.
1: So right in between. <laughs> yeah. um, so the hidden South. So could you give uh, give us a short kind of synopsis of the book?
0: Yeah, the the book is um, full of over a hundred stories and, and portraits of people that I met all over the South. Um, I tend to I tend to want to talk to people who normally don't have a voice. And um, so it's full of stories that um, people tell me, and it's usually the tough stuff. It's usually the, the things that people don't normally talk about. Um, generally, I, um, I kind of – and this may be getting too much in the weeds right now, but I, I – talk to people about, I kind of start off the same way. I I ask them to tell me about a person or an event that changed their life for better or worse. And from there, the conversation evolves. And so the book is full of all those conversations and and photographs. And also sprinkled in there are photographs of the southern landscape that help tell the story. I would say that's that's the overview.
1: And how did you find the people that you photographed and the people, and the, the people you interviewed? How did you find your subjects?
0: Um, it really depended on where I was. When I'm in an, uh, an urban environment, I tend to go to neighborhoods that are um, more impoverished and people are walking around more. And I simply pull, pull up and, and um, tell them about the project, tell them that I'm working on the book, and um, ask if they'd like to tell me a story about their life.
1: Hmm. I, I found your book really, really fascinating um, because the way that you've presented the the portraits and then the conversation you had with them is that there's we you know that that kind of introduction of course is kind of missing so we jump we see these like really arresting portraits of people's faces and kind of sometimes there's a little bit more information around them so you get a sense of where they were kind of in the world and in a landscape and then this like really heavy heavy you know text or discussion that you had with them where we immediately get to some of the core of who those people are and probably in part how you found them
0: yeah i i don't beat around the bush and i i think that um you know, obviously, that's not our entire conversation. when I put in the book, I right. sometimes I have forty five minutes or you know an hour worth of conversation that I have to get to to get down to that the core of what their what their story is. Um, but I I think the brevity is really important for this project and in general nowadays I think that you know people like to jump right in and, and um, you you just you just get right to the meat of it. I you know I. You know, I, I guess part of me too has always been um, okay with punching people in the gut um, mm. and making them feel it right off the right off the bat. So, I, 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 my work—I'll um, I, I, never be accused of using too much finesse. I, I don't think. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I I, I I value personally jumping right in and and. Um, getting to the meat of what's really going on with them.
1: And how did, well, let let me get to kind of maybe some of the larger, you know, kind of the parameters of your project and then that will kind of lead me to some other questions, but, do, do the people, the number of people in the books, so the quantity, which is uh, you have your your book is ninety four pages, I think, and you talk. I think that represents about the number of people that you talk to. You said about a hundred. Is that where there are many more people that you talk to, and these were just the best of those people and of those stories?
0: Yeah, I think actually the. Book is more like one hundred and eighty something pages. Um,
1: oh, I guess I'm I th- I'm reading in a slightly different version. It suits, I'm sorry. In the PDF, it says ninety four. So,
0: oh, you know what? I bet it's I bet it's just counting each double page as a page. It was a single
1: page, as, right? Sure. It's
0: almost uh, almost exactly double that. So um, yes, there were a lot of stories that didn't make it into the book, um, and. You know, what I tried to do with this book is I tried to tell tell a story um, uh, with the stories, so to speak. So um, I, I tried to pick stories that kind of gave a, an ebb and a flow to the book. Um, but also I had ones that, you know, I, I was absolutely going to include because they were so compelling and so telling and so um, so important. Um and I certainly don't want don't to say that the ones that didn't get included weren't important. They were. You know, everybody's story is important. And I share a lot of them online that aren't included in the book. But, yeah, I, I, had, I think I had my reasons for every story that's in there, yeah.
1: Do you, um, th- th- another aside, but do you have, a, like, a Tumblr or, a, like, a blog or a website where you have a kind of a, a, more, a, a more comprehensive collection of people?
0: Yes, I do. Um, right now, if you go to com, you'll go to the Tumblr website. Um, I'm in the process of changing that. So I'm, I'm developing a new website mm-hmm. for, to, uh, to house all the stories and everything. But, yeah, I post everything for free online, um, and it's kind of an ongoing stream of, of stories.
1: That's great. That's great. So com. Okay,
0: so we'll hidden check South that out. Com. And then Facebook, obviously. I uh, I think I have the most followers on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Instagram, I actually really love for this, um, and so I'm on Instagram and I post there a lot as well.
1: Well, I will definitely follow you on the latter too.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Sure, absolutely. I'm sure many other people will too. So back to um, kind of your process of uh, talking with people. Did you did you did um, did you find that people had apprehensions about opening up to you at all, or was that were those kind of uh, could you kind of navigate those quickly or, or just navigate those at all and get just, you know, a lot? And, and people were able to talk to you. They felt comfortable kind of sharing these really kind of dark parts of their lives with you.
0: For whatever reason, people seem to feel comfortable sharing this, this stuff with me. Um, I, uh, I, I had surprisingly few people say no. Um, although I did have some and I never try to talk anybody into anything. Um, so if, if it's a no, it's a no, and I just move on. I think, in general, people want to be heard. And so I, and, and a lot of these people that are in the book, I don't think anybody's ever asked them about their story before. So when somebody like me comes along and says, hey, I'm interested in what you had to say, and I want to share it with other people, I think a lot of people gravitate towards, towards that. Even though these are difficult things to talk about, you know, I have... Um, I mean, I have some incredible stories of, of, I mean, to me, bravery, you know, for them telling them to me. You know, I have one guy in here that I met in Nashville, Tennessee that, um, that, openly told me that he molested a kid when he was a teenager because it had been done to him when he was a kid and he thought that that's just what was normal and for a male to say that you know what I mean, for a grown man to say that he had done that and that this is why he had done it and have that open honest conversation um, you know, a, a lot of people when I posted that story were very condemning of him, to me I, I felt like it was incredibly brave and uh, so... Yeah, I've I've had good luck. With, yeah, with that's
1: that. that's uh, fantastic. I mean, I mean, that kind of luck from a photographer's standpoint and perspective is fantastic. And I mean, just just that's kind of what you know. I think what we want to do at our best, you know, is we is we want to share people's stories, and we want even even the the scary stuff or the dark stuff or the uncomfortable stuff. I mean, that's all that's all a part of life. So, uh, well, actually, so it's important.
0: I say luck, and I I apologize for talking over you, but luck is probably not the right word to use. I, I think that there was a magic that happened during this whole mm. process, and it was. Um, it's, it's hard to explain because there have been a lot of things that I've done as a photographer that haven't worked out as well. You know, they work, but it takes a lot of work, and it's like you're fighting against the current. And with this project, it was exactly the opposite of that. It was really just going with the current. I mean, it was... Um, Everything in it, uh, you know, from raising the money on Kickstarter to produce the book to um, to people telling me their stories to just everything kind of unfolded in a in a perfect way. Um, so I, I, there's um, there was definitely definitely something something um, at, at work, whatever that thing is, you know mm-hmm. that. That they, they, you know, that creatives get a, grim, a glimpse of every once in a while. You know, if we're lucky, um, we get to be part of this bigger, bigger thing. You know.
1: Sure, I think magic magic is a perfect word to describe yeah. it. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, I think so Absolutely.
1: too. I I, um, I read about one of your the first encounters with someone that you had for this project, and you say that it. Um, that you were taking instant pictures or like, you know, um, Polaroid pictures of a, of a prostitute that you were photographing for another project and that you right. loved the rawness of those pictures and you said that they were desperate to tell a story. Yeah. What what did you see in those images that, that told you this?
0: I, I would say just the look on her face, her need to be sexual on camera, um, mm. her just, I mean, he, she was very, um, and I wish I could share the pictures. I have shared them online before, but I, I've, I've shied away from putting it in the book. But she, literally, one of the pictures, she's getting into my car, and she flashes me her her breasts, and the look on her face is one of just, I don't know if it was anger or, but there was something there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there was, yeah. Yeah. Um, her 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 story was, and then when you heard her talk on top of her story, because she was she was just she was as, as Caucasian as Caucasian could be, but spoke in, with a very uh, sounded African American or sounded like she was from the South and African American, and that's what she sounded like. And um, I don't know the whole the whole thing was interesting to me, and I wanted to know more.
1: And did you was she kind of your first interview as well? Did you did you formally interview her or just did you strike up a discussion with her and thought, hmm, maybe I could put these two things together?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd always struggled, and I talk about this in the book, but I'd always struggled with interviewing people because I I'm, I don't have any background in that. So um, the, the, the aha moment for me with that encounter was, you know, I don't need to interview anybody. I, all I have to do is have a conversation with them. And that's what this project has been. You know, the reason why... Um, you know, there's BW all over the book. Is because you know my initials. Is because um, it's just a conversation. It's me sitting down on the curb with them and 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 talking. You know, and that's how you know. I think I think people um, trust that I'm not judging them. I'm just having a conversation with them, and that's what works for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I always I always wonder in this in this age of social media if people see. You know, other people who are not kind of formal storytellers. I mean, you wouldn't consider yourself a formal storyteller, I think, just be, how you described, you know, the, the text part of your interaction or the text part of the book here, which is based on your conversations you had with people. Um, but I, always, I, I, I wonder if people on the outside of that um, nowadays, like, see people who are taking pictures and asking questions like as connected to the world of the internet, you know, and if that, if there's any type of concern or thought about people's, uh, their stories kind of being out in front of the world in a very present way, because it's, even though you're talking with them in a very closed, you know, space at a moment in time, their stories, you know, have this potential to live forever really. But, but I think you, you didn't find that at all.
0: Which is the beauty of it, and and furthermore, I think it's important to note that I was very upfront with everybody that I talked to about what their pictures would be in, and their stories would be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if this this being a um, kind of a pseudo photojournalistic project, I didn't need to get releases, but I did anyway, just because of that reason. I just um, I wanted to make sure that people understood what they were doing and. Um, You know, I don't like, um, and and this has happened a couple of times, Um, I don't like having conversations where people are regretful about telling me their story. Um, I like to have conversations where I show people the book and they're, you know, crying because um, uh, they, they... they are so um, moved by their own story and their own picture. So that's what I try to do. Um, that's, that's always my goal, is to be very upfront with people and to, to have them understand what they're doing. And to, to, um, I, I, I like good outcomes. I like people to be happy about what they did with me.
1: Sure. To tell, us, tell us about maybe one or two people in the book um, whose stories moved you the most.
0: Oh, you know, there's so many. But, you know, on the heels of just t- telling you about um, about showing people the book over the weekend. And actually, if you go on my site now, you'll see a story about a, a very brief story about it. But I came across this woman, Wanda, who had um, told me her story way back. And I saw her again when I was driving through East Point, which is um, a very close suburb of, of Atlanta. And I pulled over, and I showed her the book, and she was she was one of those who did cry and um, was very happy and asked me how she could get a copy, and I knew she probably didn't have the money for it, so I gave her one, and she cried more, and it was just, it was awesome. But her story was about, um, you know, uh, like a lot of the stories in the book, it was about addiction, and it was... Um, very moving story about her daughter and her daughter's death and um, so I would say that one the, the story of Wanda really spoke to me
1: what can you tell us a little bit about uh, a, maybe a little bit more about her story and about her connection uh, about her daughter
0: sure yeah um, she basically she had had a an abusive relationship and she moved to Atlanta um to be with her daughter, and I'm kind of paraphrasing right now, but uh, her daughter became ill with diabetes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Wanda had a bad problem with crack cocaine. And so, you know, I don't think she was very present for her daughter. Um, But there were things that happened um, between Wanda and after her daughter had passed, I don't think I'm doing a very good job of this, of, of explaining it well, but basically it was about um, kind of a message from her daughter through a friend. Um, and really what what the story became about was it became about a friendship connection with Wanda and this other girl, or this other woman, Lily, and them kind of helping each other through this tough time of. of Trying to be sober while also being homeless, um, so I definitely didn't do a great job of explaining that. But it is—it is on page fifteen in the book. Okay. So, or go to the website and and put in Wanda, and it will find the story for you.
1: Oh, great! So you have a little search search engine on your website. I do indeed. Excellent. Well, it sounds. It sounds like I think I wanted to. I wanted to ask that question so that we, you know, got got a chance to talk, uh, and people got to hear a little bit of kind of an example of the maybe the types of stories that people will encounter in your book and on your website related yeah. to this project. So,
0: yeah. Um, you asked about another one. I'll I'll go ahead and share this other one. With okay, sure. There's a woman named Jennifer who's in the book and. Um, She's um, When you see her portrait, she's very tough-looking, and she's got um, tattoos on her face. And I interviewed her or I had a conversation with her in a neighborhood in Atlanta on the southwest side. Um, And she told me the story of how she, basically she was born into the DFAC system and never got adopted out. So she stayed in the DFAC system all of her life she told me about the way that they used to discipline them um through restraints and through chemical restraints and went into detail about you know um kind of how they were how they were disciplined in, in the defect system and then she also told me about how when she aged out of the system they took her from the system in cuffs to prison so literally she she had an obvious deficit of love right mm-hmm. and she she had this experience of being in a system her entire life, and going from one to the other, and it was just a, such a clear-cut example of, um, you know, how you know people think, oh, people can just pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They can, they should be able to, you know. This person did it. Why can't everybody? It just doesn't, uh, just doesn't hold true. I mean, when somebody has a, a life like that, it, it seems to me reasonable that um, they're going to make some bad choices and that we as a society should be able to help them out and help them up and uh, get a little healing. And right now we don't do that in this country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I will get off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> well, I, I assume that when you go through an experience like creating this book, you know, and talking to all these people, how can you how can you not come away with you know something like that? So um, it's it's completely understandable, completely in keeping, I guess, with uh, with a part of what you've seen and experienced and share with us. You quote on page thirty three uh, the journalist Johan Hari, who says the opposite of addiction is not sobriety; it's human connection. I just really, really loved that quote. I thought that was a, an amazing addition to your book.
0: Kind of goes with the last. Kind of goes with the last uh, story too. I mean, uh, her lack of connection, you know, caused all kinds of issues in her life. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that quote. And Johan. Uh, Harry, actually, I'm just uh, listening to his book again for the second time, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk about kind of my upcoming projects. But specifically, I'm working on something specific about the opiate epidemic in this country right now. Um, and he's done he's done amazing work, um, uh, and and that that quote really sums up a lot of of his work. So I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. So we'll get it. We'll get a chance to kind of revisit some of. Maybe inspiration through from him to you later on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Which is
1: great. So, uh so I wanted to ask you about the structure of your book cuz it's always very hard when you're when you're creating something of a, a photographic project that's not you're not thinking about what's the first, you know, image in a book going to be, what's the last image, what's that what's that kind of that's arc of the story you're going to tell. That's something that you do afterwards, like once you've created a lot of work, a lot of images and a lot of kind of uh text. Um, so your book starts with uh, with Amy, um, and tell us a little bit about Amy and and why she was your choice for um, a starting point in the book.
0: Well, I think Amy was the the clear place for me to start. Um, and actually, I didn't know who was going to be the first one in the book until the very. And after actually doing the book a couple of times and then throwing it all up in the air and doing it again, um, I knew from the very beginning, and we can talk about this in a minute, what the last story was going to be right after I took, right after I had the conversation with the guy and took the picture. But as far as Amy goes, um, you know, I think the, the fact that she talks about being from a KKK family and that type of thing, I, I loved her picture. I think her, her eyes are really powerful. Um, uh, There's some redemption in there, which, you know, I think makes the best stories is when there's some hope, some redemption. I mean, if you look in her eyes, uh, there's just so much there to me. Um, So I guess for all of those various reasons, she, she just, I wanted, I wanted people to know what they were getting into right off the bat. And the first line of, of her story kind of let people know this is welcome to the hidden south. And so uh, that's, that's why I chose her.
1: And the first line of her story is, I grew up in a KKK family. Yeah. It's just right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's right there. So, yeah. so, you, so the, you, you were just mentioning this, but your book ends with Roman. Yeah. And, and he talks about his um, experience, his recent experience at the time that you saw him with leukemia. And, um, and he kind of strikes, I think, kind of an optimistic tone, not an overtly optimistic tone, but, but there's something, there's something kind of open about it. It's like he leaves it kind of open ended, you know, and you kind of, that seems to resonate with you in your conversation with him. Why, why was he the perfect ending?
0: Well, because there was, there was, um, I, I, can get, I can get emotional talking about it. He was on the journey of a lifetime. Um, for me, uh, the Appalachian Trail has always been um, kind of a dream to hike that. And he was actually doing it. He was doing it for the love of life. And he was literally hiking back to God's thumbprint. I mean, it was just uh, so clear to me, as clear as when I took the picture of the cover, that, you know, where he should be in the book. Um because it, the hope is, is subtle. I think the hope is subtle in, you know, any of the stories that contain hope. But um, it's palatable, I think. I mean, I think it's um, – I just – I love his story. To me, his story is so full of hope. Um, and it's and it's full of truth, too. It's not that, that kind of hope that um, – the, the, the Disney type of hope. It's it's like, um, you know, this is real life and it's still – Good you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I thought I, I really thought he was a a perfect way to end the story and and or to end the book which is a, a story in a way um, yeah. yeah and and I like how he, I, I re, yeah I, I don't I can't say enough about it I, I really thought that was a, a great a great way to end a great way to end it and I felt I kind of I felt a connection with him too I mean some of the other people it's because their lives are so far away from what I'm familiar with, with life. You know, it's a little, there's some of them, it's a little harder. They, they're, you know, to kind of connect with them on a human level. Um, but him, I felt that was, it was, I I didn't feel that way. I felt connected to him.
0: Yeah. Me too. Me too.
1: So how did you choose the order? So beyond that, so we have the beginning photo and the ending photo. How did you choose the, the in-between photos? What were you trying to say there?
0: I'll tell you, like the way I did it at first, I kind of had this idea in my head of um, I was gonna I was gonna do the book in like five main sections, and it was gonna go from kind of this cycle of addiction. Um, even though the book's not about addiction, that's kind of where I was coming from. <laughs> so you know, it was kind of you know you're you're in the bottom, and then you kind of find the light, you work your way back up, and the the, the problem with organizing the book in that way was that I, it, it front-loaded all of the worst of the worst in the very beginning of the book. And, um, you know, I hired, because I raised all the money on Kickstarter, I didn't, I, I hired a publisher to, to help me um, create the book because I'd never done one before. And the editor, um, or the, the person in charge over there, Read the book, and she was adamant um, that I, I I I relook at the order, and um, you know I, I at first I fought it, and I was like, no no no, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to you know, and then the more the more she um, the more she argued her point, the more I was like, okay, I see what she's saying, and she's right. Um, so at that point, I had to start all over again. And instead of like five um, defined sections, what I did was I created 12 mini sections with no titles and just kind of weave in and out of these different sections. So each new section starts with a black page and I didn't want to label them. I just start with um, an excerpt from that section or a quote that I think is going to be applicable to that section. But what I tried to do is I tried to create a flow. I tried to, um, you know, typically, you know, they, the, it starts off with some really hard stuff. And then it goes up to a story at the end that has a little bit more hope. And, you know, my, my intent was to create a flow throughout the book. Um, because it is heavy. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, some of it's extremely heavy. Mm-hmm. So I tried my best to not intensify that heaviness, but to lighten that heaviness a little bit for the reader to be able to get through it. Um, so, really, that was my intent. Um, and I tried to do that as best as I could. Mm-hmm.
1: And you also do this kind of interesting thing, and you probably have a word for this, and you can tell me what it is. <laughs> but on the pages with portraits, there's like, it's, it's almost like there's a tab that has the person's name on it, on the kind of upper part of the page, and then the page number, and then like another tab that has these hashtags in it, um, that have, that are, that are single word or phrases that kind of connect to themes that the person's talking about, correct?
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I, I felt like um, I, I typically don't like to read a read things like this in a linear way like if I'm looking at a photography book I, I often jump around or I go from back to front or whatever and I just wanted to give people the option to do that um, I also wanted it to be loosely a reference book so if if this is sitting in a you know social workers office I wanted them you know after they've gone through the book and read everything I wanted them to go be able to find Sylvia and her, her story which you know have To be about death and acceptance, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, I wanted wanted these tabs to be informative and and actually be functional. Um, yeah, so you know, I and obviously, you know, we live in a time where, um, you know, hashtags are important, and so I went with that theme. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, yeah, why not? Everybody gets that, everybody gets what that's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a descriptor, right? So, right.
1: Right, exactly. And it's, and it's a way of, um, yeah, descriptor is a good word for it. And there was, there's, it also feels like it's a way of like, very easily uh, summing up you know, some of, these, some of the complexities of the story so that they're easily referable, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I tried to be really careful not to label people. So right. I, I labeled their circumstances, but not them as a person.
1: Right. I uh, think that that's a, a really important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um I just I just went to Shantae's story and I see that she's hashtagged traumatic death, fuck it in prison. <laughs> <laughs> a really really interesting trio for her.
0: Uh, well, I guess I didn't take out the fuck it tag. Um Yeah, there it is. Um yeah, I just, I didn't really have a prime or reason for the tags other than kind of what was in my mind at the time of, of writing and reading them. Maybe I was having a bad day, that day.
1: Oh, no, well, it's a part of what she <laughs> says to you. So <laughs> why wouldn't you use it? I mean, it's it's, it's kind of perfect and suiting I, for her. Hey,
0: fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so, so why did you choose to go the Kickstarter route for uh, for raising funds for your book?
0: Oh uh, well, I didn't have any money, and I There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I um, you know, I, I've never created a book before, so it wasn't like I could um, could call up one of the major publishers and say, "Look, um, you know, I've got this." got this idea and and you know they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done it um i had followers that's what i had and i had people that were passionate about the project and passionate about seeing this book created and so kickstarter to me was an easy choice um so i i and and actually i'm i'm getting ready to do another crowdfunding campaign but um i and, and here's the thing too like and crowdfunding is awesome because it it not only are your supporters there for you, mm-hmm. but like Kickstarter really got behind my project. I mean they they were putting it on the homepage often. They and so I got all these new people that were interested in the project, and it was you know it kind of um, you know it kind of each fed you know like like my crowd um fed the project but so did these other people that i didn't know you know that that weren't part of the project before and now they are you know and it's a great way um to to kind of build build an audience and um you know people that participate in crowdfunding to me are some of the greatest people in the world too Mm -hmm. i mean so so i'm glad that i'm surrounded by these people now and it's it's awesome i would Mm -hmm. highly recommend it um you have to be realistic. I think um, you, you can't. Um, you know, I see people starting things all the time when they don't have a base of support, or they, you know, the idea is kind of half baked and it's not really thought out. So you have to treat it with respect. I think, but um, you know, I would, I would recommend it.
1: So you, met, so you met your goal and had a had a, a very positive experience.
0: Yeah, I barely met it, but I met it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's part of the the realisticness about it too. Is is you know, not every project is going to be funded, and I think understanding the scale of what your base can support yeah. is uh, is really is really a, an important part of the process of using Kickstarter.
0: Yes, for sure, and. Uh, yeah, and and to be honest with you, this next round of um, funding, I'm asking for half the money, and I'm not using Kickstarter. Um, and it's not because I have anything against Kickstarter; it's because it's an all-or-nothing platform. Now, when I did it, you know, I needed all of that money. You know, I was convinced that this is how much the travel is going to cost me. This is how much the book was going to cost me. Um, and, and I, I really, you know, surprisingly, I'm not great at kind of hashing all this stuff out but I nailed it almost down to the penny of what it, what you know this thing was going to cost wow. and so it made it important I mean like I I wanted I needed to make that much money or it just wasn't going to fly in my head um, so Kickstarter made sense for that this next one that I'm going to do um, you know I really need all the money that I'm asking for um but if I don't get it all, then I can still do what I need to do. You know what I mean? It's not for something as concrete as a book. So,
1: Are you using uh, GoFundMe or Indiegogo or something entirely different?
0: No, no, I looked at GoFundMe, but it, mm. it feels like I would be a fish out of water because everybody that's on GoFundMe seems to have an issue that they're trying to fix. And I'm... I mean, I, I think of myself as an artist, you know. I, I I'm creating stuff, so it didn't feel like a great fit for me. Um, but Indiegogo does, so I think I'm going to go with Indiegogo. That's what I. That's what I'm feeling right now.
1: Great, great. Well, why do not um, I'd love to hear what you're what you're working on now. What are you working on now?
0: <laughs> what am I working on now? I um I have this super secret new website that I'm going to launch and um, so I mentioned that Tumblr had been the where I drive all the traffic to now that people that go to the hidden south.com go to Tumblr um, well that's going to change very soon I just it was Way too restrictive. Like there were pages that I wanted to create that it was just really hard. I mean, it's like working with one hand tied behind your back. So I've I've built a new website. I'm testing it now. I'm, I'm kind of getting some some close people to me to look at it, and that's going to launch soon. And it's going to have a lot more going on with it than the current one does. Um, and here's the big thing, and I'm I'm uh I will be announcing this soon um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going out but um, I'll go ahead and share it with you I'm um, I'm in the process of selling pretty much everything I own and buying a travel trailer and I'm gonna hit the road for a year and work on the next book and so that's a, that's a wow. big win that is
1: huge
0: yeah I just bought a big ass pickup truck which I uh, really never thought that I would Buy a pickup truck, I had no need for a pickup truck, but I have to have something to tow my home around, and so that's that's what's going to happen, and that's what I'll be raising the money for, um, is to, to take this trip around the South and um, during that time I'll be trying to gather stories for the next book, but uh, also, in addition to that I will be working on these digital journals, and the digital journals will be based on specific issues, so this first one that I'm working on is about the opiate epidemic in the, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could easily be about um, being gay in the South. It could be about um, could be about the prison system. It could be about whatever the subject might be. But the thing is, is that the, the journals are going to still be the stories. You know, it's still going to be, Told through the eyes of the people who are involved with that particular issue, and I think that's what that's what's going to set it apart from from anything else that's out there. I want to keep it digital because I want to use I want to use multimedia to tell the stories. I want to use audio and I want to use um, some video. I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the New York Times project. What's it called? One in eight million. Have I you have.
1: Seen? Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So I really I really love that type of storytelling and I want to try to incorporate more and more of that. So I've been working on getting better at, at audio because that's obviously a, a key component to, to that type of storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so yeah, those are the, those are the biggest things that are that are coming up. And you know like I mentioned, it, it will hopefully be funded by a, a um, crowdfunding effort.
1: That's, uh, that's an amazing plan. That's really, really amazing. It's, it's large but somehow manageable, given that you already have done a book that kind of brought you through some of the experiences that you will be building on. Mm-hmm. So I wish you just extra good luck with all of that. Well, thank you. I will, uh, since, since I will be following you <laughs> <laughs> on various me- social media, I will know how it goes.
0: Absolutely, I hope I hope so, and I will I will follow you back.
1: Well, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> can you uh, can you my my life is uh, a lot less compelling than yours is at the moment, so you'll just see a lot of uh, family pictures. But the, it comes in waves. My work.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, I'll hear some great um, some some great broadcasts.
1: Oh yes, well that of course of course. Um, can you tell tell us where people can buy your book? The Hidden South.
0: Yes, it's on Amazon.com. So if you go to Amazon, um, it is there. If you just type in The Hidden South or you can go to my website, TheHiddenSouth.com. Um, very soon, I will be selling it. I was selling it on my website and then I quit and just kind of pointed everybody towards Amazon. But I think I'm going to start selling it again on my website very shortly probably within the next four or five days so if you go to thehiddensouth.com that would be my preference um <laughs> if you want to get it on amazon that's fine too
1: okay great two two places to get access to your book yeah and it's
0: in atlanta it's all over the place but um you know kind of being a one-man show part of this trip is about spreading the word about the book mm-hmm. um, too so i will be getting out there and talking to people that are uh Hopefully, professors and uh, getting it into different systems, college systems, and all that stuff. So,
1: are you? Um, have you thought about, or have you tried to exhibit the photos?
0: Yeah, I have. I've um, I've done a I've done a lot of book signings since the book is launched, mm-hmm. and as part of the last one, I did. Um, I, you're probably not familiar with Decatur, but it's a suburb of Atlanta, and it's. Um, it's a, it's a it's a great little great town, and the library there invited me to speak, and so they have my work hanging in the library right now. Um, and I also, you know, I did a big book launch, and so I had it hanging at the place where I did the book launch for a long time. And then I've got another I've got another uh, library thing that I'm doing in a month, and um, they may or may not hang some pieces in there but yeah I'm, I'm open to it you know I really um, I like hanging the work with the stories because oh, I think absolutely. the stories are such an, a compelling part of the, the of it I, I, I almost hate to hang the pictures by themselves
1: oh I absolutely agree they, they absolutely need to have the, the stories the context there I think it's, there's, it's essential yeah for yeah. sure well thank you so much for talking with us it was really a pleasure to hear about your book and about your plans and and, and really how, how passionate you are about what you do. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for asking me to be on. Sure. I really enjoyed it.